Can't use the song, that would be wrong, cause it could get us copyright struck, and that would suck, but such is life! <laughs> 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 Hello and good evening, everybody. <laughs> My name is Nathan Marchand, the host of such podcasts as the Monster Island Phone Vault, which is this channel, as well as Henshin Men, because I will be sharing the audio of this in the Henshin Men feed, just to keep that feed going while I'm trying to get the final episode, well, the final episode of this iteration put together. And with me is the Omniviewer, Ryan Collins, and Snazzy, and hopefully I will be sending you the video of this to share on your channel, but it will be going up live on the Film Vault channel tonight. Mm-hmm. So, great to have you guys on. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> Nice to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is actually, it was, it's semi-impromptu, admittedly, because th- we're here to talk about Ultraman Blazar, the new you know, Ultra series from Super Riot that just wrapped up last week. And literally, I finished the episode, and I guess we must have started around the same time, and then I get a text message from you saying, if you do an episode on this, I want in. I'm at least going to do a video. I'm like, how about we just combine them? <laughs> so that's what we're doing. So <laughs> this is, like I said, it, it, it's a little bit of a bonus episode, MIFE Live, I guess you could call it. But yeah, so Ultraman Blazar. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, it was a shorter Ultra series, but... Uh, the, I don't know how familiar you've been with the with the newer stuff, but the this is kind of the the going rate for. Well, you've recently been going on about how Cosmos was longer than Good. usual. Yeah, Cosmos was sixty five episodes, but that was early two thousand. It was twenty years ago. the The trend with new generation heroes, which started in I want to oh it, it's twenty thirteen with Ginga. They've been going about 25, usually, yeah. somewhere in that range, mid-20s. Which used to be the standard length for anime, but anime shortened it to 13. Yeah, basically. The longest. <laughs> Go figure on that. Now, so, now, Toei still goes 50 episodes because Toei's crazy. They also <laughs> make about 10 million <laughs> tie-in movies and specials, some of which are not canon. <laughs> <laughs> it's confusing. So, you know, so there, if you still want your 50 episode Toku shows, that's where you have to go is Toei. But Subaraya has been doing the, you know, the 25 episodes or so. That's how it's been since I started watching the simulcast on YouTube in 2020 with Ultraman Z, Ultraman Z, however you want to say it. I, it's a letter Z, people. <laughs> and in America, we say we say Z. But yeah, whatever on that one. But they've been about twenty-five episodes apiece. Well, all the same for as for the length, it man made the best of it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. is this the first one of the simul of the YouTube simulcast shows that you've watched? Uh, yeah, when I first subscribed to the Super I YouTube page, when I actually discovered that it even existed. 
they were already kind of in the middle of a particular series. I don't know if that's the one where they introduced the King Joe storage custom or not. Because I remember that would have been that would have been Z, as Ultraman Z, probably. So I was just like, oh well, I I don't know if I quite put together that they were doing the full episodes on there, but I was just like. Well, something to keep an eye on anyway. See mm-hmm. future projects and whatnot. Mm-hmm. When I realized there were actual shows up there, I was like, well, it's a little late for me to be getting into this one with each new thing, but mm-hmm. eh, we'll see. And sometimes I'd check out some episodes and I'd be like, yeah, this is not grabbing me for reasons we'll be getting into, of course. Right, right. But, if if you want to go back, if you want to go back and watch any of them, you can now make a free account on Ultraman Connection and uh, watch those VOD. Hmm. Well, maybe. But, um, or I can just wait and see if they get some DVD releases over here too. Yeah. Well, so. Ultraman Connection is a great website. I'm friends with Mr. Gomez who runs the thing. He's a cool fella and it's a great website. It, get, it keeps you up to date on all of the Ultraman news and they will do special events and you know, the, like for a lot of the finale, like the finale movies for all the shows that they've been doing the last couple of years, they are so not, ava- they're not up on YouTube, but you can go to Ultraman connection and for a small, a small fee, you can rent them. Hmm. Well, something to look into anyway. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So this was the first one that you, you started. Yeah, okay. as it was going, of course. I've seen some of the older ones, of course. Classic I, one. I was going to say, uh, I was going to let you know, tell everybody you know, what our history is with Ultraman. Well, what is yours on me? Well, you know, um, I was familiar with Ultraman as a kid, but like that was back before streaming and on demand and whatnot. So you had to know the show was going to be on in order to see it. And I wasn't always that lucky. Um, actually, I think one of my first exposures to it was I was visiting family and it was an episode of Ultra 7 that was dubbed. That doesn't exist oh, anymore. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, the on uh, TNT. Yeah, those don't exist anymore, but um, yeah, where'd he go? Anyway, um, let's see. It was a little while after that I started picking up the DVDs. You know, the classic shows of what were already out there, specifically Ultraman, Ultra 7, and Ultra Q. But as they've been coming out, I've been picking up on them, getting some of the movies like Ultraman uh, Zarth. Zarth. <laughs> which was all the first. Zarth, Zarth. They pronounce it Zarth in the movie. I, I know, it's, it's confusing. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, which was actually the, those movies were the first official Ultraman thing I did for the channel. And, uh, you know, just, uh, as a, as a Kaiju fan, it's a nice way to get a full Kaiju story without necessarily spending a movie length going for it. Mm-hmm. If you just need a quick fix, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was putting you in the uh, solo layout there, you know, mm-hmm. since you were the one talking. But the uh, I my first exposure to Ultraman, and I've shared this story a few other places, was uh, the, I remember reading about the Ultraman franchise in G Fan Magazine, but they basically said like almost none of it is even available for people to watch. So as interesting as it seemed, 
I was like, well, I'm probably never going to get a chance to see it. And then Tiga was brought over by four kids, infamously. Hmm. <laughs> that um, no longer exists either. Yeah, well, it doesn't, well, it doesn't. It probably exists somewhere, but not on the official DVD release we got. No, no. But there, there was a very intrepid fan who reconstructed it using the blue i think it was the japanese blu-ray i think like excising the footage and then running the the english audio over it went to great lengths to do it and so other than a few parts that the filmmaker that four kids edited themselves mm-hmm. which he couldn't get he couldn't recreate you know so it'll when it gets to those bits it will cut to what looks like was <laughs> ripped from a vhs that recorded it <laughs> off a tv but you know so regardless that was my first exposure. I watched that a few times. And then I, I remember grabbing a couple of DVD sets from of the original show from, from uh, I can't remember who released them right now. I think it was BCI. I think it was BCI, but it was pre, it was pre Mill Creek. And I wanted to get the shout sets, but I wasn't able to get to those. And then Mill Creek started going nuts, and then I just started gobbling them up because I fell in love with the franchise. So I was, I, I so I basically have everything that Mill Creek has released, and I'm really hankering for them to release some more because <laughs> hmm. Subaraya is pushing Ultraman hard right now. Hence these simulcasts. I, to be honest, I know that there have been some criticisms of the Mill Creek sets with some of their quality control issues and all that. And I get it, but the fact that they have been cranking out as much as they have, as fast as they have is impressive because their goal is to make Ultraman a, an international brand. Hence why they're doing these international live streams, you know, simulcasts and you know, they've done even done these things that I've watched where they will have different, they did this thing where there were different Ultraman characters who would actually speak, address fans in different countries by speaking their language. Hmm. It was really interesting. So they definitely want to get this hmm. out there for everybody. Yeah, that plus the Marvel comics and whatever that thing is on Netflix that's coming. I, I, I don't... I'm going to do an episode on that with Mr. Gomez. I may have to contain myself a little bit because I'm not expecting it's going to be great, but I'm open to being wrong. <laughs> I want to be wrong. <laughs> and we'll find out. We'll but anyway, find we, out. anyway, this episode's about Blazar. Yeah, we're talking about Blazar. But yeah, so I've got the... And for everybody who's watching this, feel free to leave comments in the chat. We will be more than happy to interact with you. But I do have a handful of little discussion questions and points here that we can go over, and and unfortunately, it doesn't. It's not as it's not as easy to see it unless this is full screen. So I'm going to have to switch between full screen and not full screen so I can keep track of the chat. So you and I came up with with a bunch of different points that we could go over. These aren't in any particular order, so. Uh, just trying to think where to start with this. A lot of the stuff that, that is on here has to do with the end of the show, which I think we can save until a little bit later. 
But the first question I would like to ask you is, did you watch this sub or dub? A classic question. I It really depended. Uh, I think most of it I watched dubbed, but every once in a while I'd uh, hop on to start the episode and it's like, oh, they haven't processed the dub or something because it's subtitled. So, okay, I can yeah. watch this one. I think it takes about an hour or so for the dub to show up. Cause so if you watch it live, it's only Japanese. Mm. And if you watch it immediately afterward, which is what I did with the first episode, the dub wasn't available. So I watched it subtitled the first time, but then when I saw that the dub was available, I rewatched it with the dub because mm-hmm. my boy, Johnny young Bosch is in it. So <laughs> I actually briefly met him at a convention nearby. Oh man, I'd love to I'd love to meet him someday. I mean, he's he's a multi-talented guy. He's a voice mm-hmm. actor, he's a, you know, a screen actor cuz you know, he he famously was in Power Rangers for several seasons. And you know, he's been in a lot of anime and video games. He has a band, he's a martial artist. My gosh, this guy is so talented. So when I heard that he was going to be in this and he was going to be Gento, he's going to dub for Gento, so I'm like First he was a Power Ranger, now he is an Ultraman. <laughs> and, and in between, he was Vash the Stampede Vash and Stampede. Britannia. And Ijigo in Bleach. Mm. So, yeah, he's he's done a lot. <laughs> he's done a lot. So, And I did watch one episode without the dub because I was watching it with a friend who mm. you know didn't watch the dub. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. We can watch it without the dub. It's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the, I, I still think the acting in Japanese is actually real good. I was surprised how good the dub was, though. Yeah. I don't Because you t- don't expect live action dubs to be good these right? days. Right? Yeah. As I, I don't typically, I typically don't go for dubs with live action anymore. I usually go with it for anime because it's just easier to do it with anime but you know so unless i think the dub is really terrible i will actually go to mm. the i will go to the dub first and stick with the dub you know like currently because i missed out on most of it because i didn't grow up with cable television i'm watching outlaw star right now ah, and i'm one. watching that with the dub and you know and but so far the dub has been good enough that i'm going to keep watching it hmm Although it's spinoff, Angel Links has a terrible dub. <laughs> I I don't know where I can see that, but yeah, I will definitely I, keep that in mind. I was lucky and found a box set recently. Okay. But, uh, so I, you know, physical media for the win, as always. Yes, physical media for the win. I, that's one of my New Year's resolutions is, is to just buy up as much physical media as possible, whether it's mm-hmm. DVDs, Blu-rays, CDs, books. Books I'm especially concerned about. Out. it's to the mm. point now where my sister for christmas will buy me uh, like i said like I, I was getting mad about the whole Raul doll thing and i didn't have any of his books i was just getting mad as an author at the mm. censorship that was going on so now my sister just buys me old older editions of Raul doll books so i can make sure they're preserved yeah <laughs> and now and i'm like course. well now i gotta go get the ian fleming james bond books because now they're gonna muck around with those and just and of course, now there are Ultraman books in English as well. Yes, you yeah. The first one. Yeah. So there you go. So that was pretty. So you know, I, I was very happy with the dub here, and it seems like Super is working really hard to make the dub good. They dubbed Ultraman mm-hmm. Z because of how popular it was. 
So I I have to give them credit. They're working really they're working really hard with this. The dub for Shin Ultraman was actually really good as well. I was surprised by that. I was pleasantly surprised by that. So you know, like I said, they're working really hard to make this as available as possible. Yeah. But let's talk a bit about Gento. Gento is a bit of a departure for Ultra Series. Yeah. Because he's the actual captain and he's the Ultra host. Mm-hmm. Not only that, he's a family man because he has a wife yeah. and a son. Which, we don't know that he's part of Scarred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or at least as far as he knows, they don't. Yeah, and I have only seen a setup remotely close to this one other time in the Ultra franchise, and that was the movie Ultraman the Next, mm. which didn't have a quote-unquote science patrol team in it, but the Ultra host in that was a family man. Yep. Guy who, although that, that movie was super dark compared to Blazar, so... You say that, but I, that first... We'll get into it, but that first episode, I'm like, is this how the whole show is going to be? This is like... Uh, well, I mean, Ultraman I Nexus mean, like, all over again. <laughs> I just mean, like, Gento's son is healthy. Yeah. So... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, but uh, we'll get into this. So this is a big departure because normally it's just somebody on the team. Although in in the case of Nexus, I'm rewatching Nexus right now with my brother who hasn't seen it yeah, before. Yeah, just a random guy. Yeah, it's not somebody on the team. He the, so the Ultraman, and that really is a wild card. So they're like, we don't know who this guy is or what what he's doing. You know, so there's no mm-hmm. case of well, oh, I have a secret identity. I'll be back, guys. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually dead. He saved me. Well, in this case, yeah. <laughs> and they, and they, I think I've read in interviews, they said they did that partly because they realized it's easy for the team leader to just step aside for a moment while everyone else is doing stuff. Right. So, right. But it also puts a, a little bit of, a, I think a little bit of a level of pressure on there, hmm. you know, because yeah, he really has to decide, okay, when do I do this? Because yeah. I still need to lead my team. And, and about halfway through, they get chewed out like Ultraman Blazar always steps in. Have you guys actually beaten a kaiju by yourselves yet? Yep. <laughs> so It gets called out, yeah. Which yeah. is not the first time I've seen that happen in, uh-huh. uh, in the franchise. Because there have been other times where they're like, you guys are useless. It's just Ultraman who fixes the that problem. Was all the, that was all the way back in the first Ultraman. Mm-hmm. Towards the end, there's that point. I forget exactly which episode, but it, I think it's one of the Pigmon ones where they're like, "What? Why am I even bothering making this new device? Ultraman's just going to step in and save us." But then it's uh, Hayata. It's Hayata, right? Who says, "Yeah, Ultraman yeah. doesn't just uh, step in to save us. He steps in when we've done everything we possibly can." Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a uh, one of the. I, th- I can't remember. I think it was Gaia. I want to say. I th- where there was actually they had some they they had some kids on their base and they were giving them a little tour and one of the kids actually asked it was like yeah how do you know when Gaia is going to show when Ultraman is going to show up and help you guys out well, you know why don't you just let him solve the problem and the the person being asked is the actual Ultra host and he has to come up with this little you know a similar sort of answer right there you know to, but it's being directed at a kid that to reassure him is like oh, no Ultraman wants us to do our best first and then when it's necessary he steps in you know yeah. that sort of a thing it's an interesting way of looking at and it. even 
even early in Ultraman Max, the host, that like it's the third episode, isn't it, where he gets offended that people think don't trust Ultraman Max right off the bat. So mm-hmm. as they're going after the bird monster, he says, "All right, I'm just gonna." fly right at it and then I'll summon Max and everyone will see and Max refuses to show up. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so you know that's so that really it throws a bit of a monkey wrench into the into the formula but there's a lot of things that kind of you know, muck it, around it with affects, the formula in this which we'll unpack a little it, bit. Otherwise, it also affects his health. Yes. Yeah. Which is not the which is not the first time we've seen we've seen that we've seen other points where depending on the show the host will share the same injuries as the Ultraman. You know, Hmm. so if like Ultraman gets his leg hurt while fighting a monster, when he unhensions, the host is like, "Oh, my leg!" Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes reverse, like what Tiga did. There was those certain things where Daigo's arm was hurt. When he turns into Tiga, he'll do this brief thing where he checks his arm to see if he can see use it. So. Yeah, or if in Ultraman Leo, you, you had you had Ultra Seven. I can't. Uh, Dan Moraboshi came back, and he got mm-hmm. hurt in the first episode, and then he couldn't transform anymore. And then he spends the rest of the show walking around with a cane. Mm. But then, like, but I like in this particular series, it, it's not so much that like. I get an injury, Ultraman gets an injury, or vice versa. It's more like it just his health just gradually deteriorates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, his relation with Blazar is uh, is a little strange. It's probably compared to the the last few shows, like the other ones that have been getting simulcast. This is probably the most impersonal that I've seen. <laughs> Because the other ones, they're interacting directly with the Ultra. They're talking to them, you know, when they're mm-hmm. you know, when they're not transformed or when they when they actually hench in. It looks like they're in this kind of pocket dimension, and that's where they can, you know, put in like the coins and stuff in the transformation device. Oh, look, toys and <laughs> you know, and you know, get power ups or alt modes or something like that. There's a lot of interaction. Not quite so much here. It's a little bit more like what you saw in the, I would say, like the early Heisei period or a lot in a lot of the Heisei period. That's fresh in my mind because that's where I am in my viewing right now. Because mm-hmm. like Tika Dinagaya, it was like that. It's like that in Nexus. There's some there's some strange similarities between this and Nexus, I have to say. He does try communicating with Blazar a couple times. He does. He does. And what I found really interesting with their relationship is there, there was that weird couple of episodes where suddenly Blazar is hitting himself in the face. <laughs> and I was like, wait, is that Gento telling him, no, you can't kill the monster. Actually you find out later it's not Gento, which surprised me a little bit. It's, it was actually Blazar saying, no, don't do that. So like, wait a minute, who's actually in charge here when this happens? Because <laughs> I've always interpreted it as when the host is, has not transformed, that's him for the most part. And when the, but when the transformation happens, that's the ultra coming through. But in this case, it didn't seem like that. So I was a little confused on that. How'd you feel about it? There was a bit, it felt like there was more of a melding, I guess. And we also saw every once in a while, Blazar would start to eke out through Gento while Gento was just normal. 
that moment where like when he's at home he's watching tv and suddenly his eyes change yes so yeah it it made him feel a bit more alien in a way yeah in a different way how shin ultraman was alien yeah you well that, uh, did you see that comic somebody drew of the two ways to make ultraman alien shin version shin, shin ultraman is just standing there and then blazar version shin ultraman still standing there but Blazar's bouncing around and going, rah, rah, and Shin, a thought bubble appears above Shin's head because I'm quite fond of him. Yeah, Blazar is one of the strangest ultras I've seen in a long time. The In the first episode, the first thing that came to my mind was, man, you're loud. Yeah. Because he just screams at the, ultra, at the monster. Bazanga. Yeah, Bazanga, which sounds like a joke. <laughs> Bazanga! <laughs> but uh, he, just, he screamed at the monster. And I'm just like, why are you so loud? <laughs> and then, you know, but then he has, and then he looks like he kind of like throws tantrum, like a tantrum or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then, But then went right after he transforms or right after he kills a monster, it looks like he prays. Mm -hmm. And that's tying into him being the primitive ultra, another one of our talking points. Yeah, yeah, that's what people have been interpreting it. So it's almost like he's a like a caveman. He's a hunter, mm -hmm. and with a serious wound on his head. That's what that glowing part's supposed to be, apparently. I guess. See, here's the thing that threw me off. Because when I first heard the name and I saw the initial images like this one here, which this, that was such a great trailer. It was a very mm -hmm. atmospheric trailer. And I thought they were going with a fire motif with him. Cause this, cause this part on, on the, yeah. on the left side of his face, it looks like flames. So I was like, Oh, it must be fire. His name is blazer. No, a blazer is a term in astronomy. That's where they got the name. Mm -hmm. so i'm like okay i guess i was completely wrong and, and so i and there's a lot of unanswered questions about blazar mm. because yeah. we they don't really delve too much into his origin beyond the first episode or two and they just said like oh yeah that's ultraman this it's, yeah this kind of like legend among like astronauts the the final episode like not to get too ahead of ourselves but that garbled message the V99 send does say land of light briefly. So I noticed that, yeah. So it's like, does that mean he's from the same... Does that mean the other Ultras exist here as well in some form? If or? they did, I think they would have known it. Supro has been basically been doing the multiverse thing for about 20 years now. So they'll make separate shows, but... Basically, they just say that the the ultras are, are such an advanced civilization that they can not only travel through space, but they can also dimension hop, which mm -hmm. is why they can have the other characters show up, you know, and you know, and do crossovers and things like that. So I don't know where that puts Blazar in this case because this one was kept very self-contained. Mm -hmm. You could jump because people, I you know, I've had some people you know wonders like, hey, can you know? How much do I need to know about Ultraman to watch Blazar? I was like, you don't really need to know anything because it doesn't really have ties to yeah. anything else. I mean, generally speaking, the other Ultra shows keep to themselves, but there is still that sense of it's part of 
something larger where this one is like no ties to anything else. (laughs) They occasionally do vague Easter eggs. Like when red King and it's gigas, right? Red King and gigas show up. They say, Oh, this is the same monster that appeared back in the 1960s. Yeah. What a coincidence when red King first appeared. Right. Um, So so they, they throw in little things like that. And there was a, uh, like over on Big Bad Toy Store, there was a, a pre-order for an a Blazar figure and an original Ultraman figure packaged together, and the OG Ultraman was in a cape. And I was, I saw that, and I originally thought, oh, so there have been several spoilers revealed through the toys throughout. I wonder if that's somehow hinting that the original Ultraman's going to show up. Didn't happen. No. But... No. Although you said that you heard rumors that they to- that apparently Supro toyed with having Nexus show up. I've heard it mentioned. I don't know where that comes from myself. Uh, the I think the theory that I heard proposed was that since Blazar seems to be more primitive and his battle pose looks like he's offering up a prayer of some sort, and you look back and you see that Ultraman Nexus slash Noah is as close to being a god as an Ultra can possibly get, I, it was thought that maybe Nexus was gonna Nexus or Noah was gonna show up and be like the ultra above Blazar, mm-hmm. but I have like I said I don't know where that came from I don't know uh, if it was just a random thing. Somebody I mean I, I would I would be all for Nexus showing up, but Nexus mm-hmm. is one of my favorite entries in the entire franchise. Mind you, I haven't seen all of it, but it's still one of my favorites. So. Real quick, we've got a couple of comments here I just wanted to bring up. So we have a Mac Wade. He just says, hey, Omni. He said that about 10 minutes before we started. (laughs) And then we have Enshoma in the chat right now. And he says, and Blazar replies with Gento getting self-slapped Blazar. Sleep, dummy. (laughs) (laughs) And then... My uh, my friend, listener, and MIFE Max member on Patreon, Jake Hambrick, (laughs) he says, What's up, guys? I don't have great signal, so I probably won't be able to stay long, and I really enjoy Blazar, and it's one of my favorite Ultraman designs. It It is is a great design, especially in the dark like that. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. It's It's a great silhouette. The, hmm. And that's something that I've heard a lot of people talk about. It's like if you're an artist and you're trying to make a, a unique character, if you can, you the way you know you have a good design is that you can still recognize the character when all you can see is the silhouette. That's you know? the silhouette. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. So you look at something like yeah, you know, like you look at the Simpsons characters and you like I know you know who exactly who they are just by the silhouette. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's not hard, which is. A criticism I've heard lobbed against Ultraman designs because the argument is that their silhouettes aren't all that different, at least, the you know, with <laughs> some of them. I mean, yeah, Zoffy and Jack and the original, basically the same silhouettes, but Seven does not have the same silhouette. Ace doesn't have the same silhouette. Taro and Leo don't have the same silhouette. <laughs> Tiga and Gaia, maybe... <laughs> It yeah. depends on what angle you're looking at the head from. Yeah, but. Nexus doesn't have the uh, you know has a doesn't have the same silhouette, but I would argue it's like yeah, but you could say that about basically a, you know, a large chunk 
they don't want to admit it, but a large chunk of of Sentai and Power Rangers, you can say that. There's an, there are still some common writers that you could say that about. Common writers probably fared a little bit better in that regard in terms of having recognizable silhouettes but still Heck, i mean some american superheroes <laughs> yeah yeah and then the, the other compl- the other criticism lobbed against was like they you know they keep using the same colors all the time and i'm like so <laughs> well i mean the, they're red because it is that's a kabuki thing right in kabuki theater you denote the hero because he's got red in his costume mm-hmm. that carried over here mm-hmm mm-hmm I'm the hero too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can tell. What? <laughs> Although you used to wear blue, you wore blue for a while, for a brief time. Yeah, and then you had that, and then you had, then you had the weird phase where you had the coat. I kind of yeah. miss it. The distorter stole it. I'm still not sure where he went with it. Ah, uh, you got, you got to go. But anyway, yeah, you Blazar is gray with red and blue. Yeah, well, he's got all kinds of colors on him. His design's kind of wild. To be mm. honest, he's primarily, I would, I think he's primarily silver and blue. I would say primarily. Yeah. Yeah. But he's got like the red zigzag going down. Yeah. The yeah. And then he eventually gets the fire gauntlet that adds some orange. Which is the closest we get to an alt mode in this, which is something I really appreciate. We'll unpack that a little bit, uh, a little bit later. But the, the rest of the characters that we follow in this, it's a pretty standard I, I, that sounds reductionist, but it's a pretty standard kind of set of characters you expect to see in an ultra series as part of the science patrol team. Mm-hmm. You know, they fit into certain archetypes, you know, that and you see them all there, you know, you have the no nonsense girl, the, the cute girl who's hyper feminine, the, you know, and then a couple other guys, there's like, like the tech guy, the weapons guy. And in this case, the, it's the, is it the tech guy? No, the, yeah, the tech guy is kind of the goofball. There's a second in command on this team. Yeah. Well, th- there's always a vice captain. Yeah. The, but we do get to know them pretty well, don't we? Mm-hmm. Especially Henri. She got a surprising number of episodes devoted yeah, to her. Yeah. And didn't you say that you were, you made some jokes in some of your videos on the show? We were like, she's become the waifu already. <laughs> <laughs> To a certain degree, yeah. <laughs> she is an like I said, she's the t- she's the token with. cute one. Like I've watched mm-hmm. enough ultra shows, I could tell you there's always a token cute girl in it. <laughs> Although uh, it, the other one's Emmy, right? Yeah, I, I don't want to get the names confused. Towards the end of the show, she gets a lot of attention too because she's actually closely tied to the myth arc mm-hmm. of the series. It's because it involves her dad. Yeah. Yeah, and man. that goes to some really interesting places. Or uh, the, I think the one who gets the least amount of attention is actually the tech guy. Yeah, except yeah. he had that. Except he had the weird episode where a washing machine came to life. Yeah, although weirdly enough, they did kind of make it work in context. Oh, they did make it work in context, but it was still probably the wackiest episode of the show. Yeah, although. That that episode was for the ladies. <laughs> that guy is jacked. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> when he when he's like panicking and taking the shirt off for that awkward comedy moment, I'm just like, holy <laughs> steroids, sir. <laughs> 
Where did you find those? <laughs> and he's supposed to be the nerdy one. <laughs> yeah, go figure on that. But yeah, I've also seen some pictures of I can't remember which of the actresses it was, but you know, or like she was wearing I can't remember if it was a swimsuit or if it was workout attire, but she was in really good shape too. So and it was a joke. Somebody was just like, everybody in Blazar is in really good shape. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> There are no ugly people on this show. I mean, <laughs> it's TV people. Well, I don't know. Some of the monsters might qualify, but you know, I'm sure Snazzy's got opinions about that. Much different opinions. Oh, I can't even look at the Ganular. <laughs> well, <laughs> only a mother could love him. Oh well. If, if. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll we'll talk a bit about the monsters as well mm. in this, but well, let's talk about the you know the rejection of toyetic elements. I did a an Henshin Men episode not long ago on the Common Rider versus Ultraman special with another YouTuber who goes by the name Soundout Twelve. He uh, his channel is dedicated to toy and physical media reviews. He's mm. a big Toku fan. And he told me that it was kind of sneaky because I initially thought, especially watching that first episode, because the first episode is really different from most of the rest of the show. It hmm. was very atmospheric, very dark, very cinematic, clearly had money thrown at it. And then after that, the show wasn't quite like that, except for some episodes here and there. And I'm like, man, I kind of sometimes I almost wish that the whole show was like that. But you know, what can you do? We'll get to the variants in a moment. Yeah, we'll get to the variants. But the very quickly, it establishes, yeah, we're not really doing the Bandai mandates, guys, which is mm. kind of like this big joke now, in to, especially in Toku fandom, but, you know, the Bandai mandates, where you got to, well, we got to put in the things to show off the toys because we're going to use the toys as props, which I will admit when I first started watching Z, having not been used to that, it really threw me off. It was like, that is clearly the toy, guys. This is not a case of like how in Power Rangers, the toys look so good you could pass them off as the props because that's what they did mm -hmm. out of necessity. But here, it's very clearly the toys. They weren't really doing that. And nope. I loved it. And that's why, you know, it takes like, what, 17, 18 episodes before Blazar gets a power, like a real power up and anything close to resembling an alt mode. Hmm. You know, and I'm, I was like, I'm so glad about that. But I was told by Soundout it's because Subaraya got a little sneaky. They basically rushed Blazar into production so <laughs> fast that by the time. By the time Bandai came with notes, they're like, oh, sorry, guys, we already started. Oh, well, I guess we'll just have a lot of kaiju in the toy line. And guess what? They still made it. Oh, dang. They just, they, oh, dang. And then they still made a crap ton of money. <laughs> yeah. Especially with this guy. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, every I think everybody knew Earth Garen was going to be popular. Yeah. I mean, he's a giant robot dinosaur who, you know, is the Robin to Blazar's Batman. Mm -hmm. What's not to love? But they didn't necessarily go out of their way to make him a toy. They just made him cool. Yeah. And then the toy sells itself. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I hope Bandai learns from this. It's like, you know what? Maybe we should just get out of the artist's way. Let them do what they want. And we'll still make money. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did occasionally find ways. Like, obviously, the uh, Blazar stone was there from the beginning, the bracelet that he uses. But, yeah, but you know, they that's don't, like but, a beta capsule. Yeah, but. I was going to say, they don't make a big deal out of it all that yeah. much. It's obvious. It, it, I mean, the prop is the toy, but they spend so little time focused on it that mm. I, I feel it's more forgivable compared yeah. to a lot of the other ones that they've done. The only time, the only time in Blazar I felt that it pushed into toy commercial territory was when the Chilsonite sword got introduced. Yeah. That felt like they were going like, Ooh, they, let's get some close-ups to show it off. Let's do this weird impractical thing where you pull the lever and the thing spins, which is totally something a sword does. It's, um, <laughs> I think the idea is that he does that to power it up. Yeah. But like, it, but it makes the lights and sounds and you know, that's a point where it was like, okay, clearly Bandai stepped in at this point and said, give him this. He uses it. But like, that was just the one episode. And then the next time they did it, when they had Fardron come in and again, do the closest thing we have to an alt mode, it's, it felt organic again. It didn't feel like it was pushing it. Same thing with Earth Garen's various upgrades. It makes sense that you would have those upgrades because, you know, he's a giant robot. More threats he faces, the more weapons he's going to need to take care of them. So it's naturally worked in. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're not going to sell all of those upgrades with the figure just up front. You're going to have to do some shopping around to get stuff like the -the over-the-shoulder turrets. Mm -hmm. But again... yeah, Yes, and Shoma, we went over that. You must have left that comment (laughs) because I've had this on full screen. I should probably stay off of full screen here for a little bit. But well, we went over that. There are no ugly people in the show. <laughs> nope. Yeah, we know. Yeah. And uh, Jake Hamburg here reminds me of Billy from MMPR, LOL, a Jack nerd who could be the leader. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's be honest. David Yost is the buffest nerd ever. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Well, I take it back. He's second. Henry Cavill is the oh, yes. is the buffest nerd ever. <laughs> Henry Cavill. Uh, oh, I will still defend I will still defend him as Superman. He was just given subpar scripts. That's a <laughs> And he got tricked with Black Adam, but anyway. <sighs> yeah. Moving on. So yeah, this is yeah. About so uh, so the, they're rejecting the toyetic thing, and I was so appreciative of it because I'm like, guys. You don't need to make these obvious toy commercials. Yeah. Just make a good show. I mean, I know people rag on a lot of 80s and to a certain extent 90s shows, you know, cartoons and, you know, kid shows for Mm -hmm. doing that. But I'm like, yeah, but when I watch G.I. Joe or I watch Transformers, it's not obvious that it's, quote, unquote, a toy commercial. It's more like... It always feels more like the show is saying, hey, you know those toys you like? Here's a story about them. Yeah. They're going to go off and do cool stuff. Oh, by the way, in case you didn't know, here's a new character, and his toy is over at the toy store. So you can go get that one. So you may not have that one yet, but hey, new toy. You know. And when they put the effort in, it really shows. I mean, mean, Peter Cullen took Optimus Prime so hmm. seriously. Like, it was... Maybe it started as just a job for Peter Cullen, but it it evolved into something else. I mean, 
and I th- and Hasbro learned that the hard way when they killed off Optimus yeah. and most of the cast and, in the and movie. Traumatized the generation. Yeah, and yeah, and traumatized everyone because they're like they because they didn't realize they had a pop culture icon mm. on their hands with Optimus Prime and those and to a certain and to a lesser extent the other characters. So which, when later Transformers things did it, they really to, like they put they approached it differently. Dinobots plot in Beast Wars. I mean, dang. Yeah. Well, that was Beast Wars was done for budgetary reasons mm-hmm. because the because at that point CGI. I mean, we look at that show now and it just looks quaint. But you know, but back then it was state of the art. It was expensive, oh, yeah. especially trying to do it on television. And so you know, even though mainframe was like, "Oh, we love the toys, and we want to have as many characters in there," they realized they could only have so many. So then they told the writers, "Like, hey, we can only have so many characters because that's the the limits of the technology and budget mm-hmm. that we have." And they're like, "Okay, pick the best ones, and we're gonna go nuts making these characters amazing." Yeah. Point is. Being toyetic isn't necessarily a fault. It's how you go about doing it. Mm-hmm. And the argument can't be made that all of the... Basically, I would say at least since the 60s, these Toku franchises, and even Godzilla to a certain extent, have had an element of that to them once yeah. <laughs> the studios realized they could merchandise these things and make a well, yeah. ton more it, money. Yeah, it's un- it's understood that these things make for cool collectibles and action figures. It's, uh, it's when you lean only on that, that being toyetic becomes a bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that that's what brought down Batman and Robin back in the nineties. Uh, that, that, that at the beginning of every shoot, Joel Schumacher said, remember everyone, we're making a toy movie because that's what the studio told him to do. And they paid for it. Boy, yep. did they. Yep, there's only one actor in that movie who's having any sort of fun and not phoning it in. And his name is Arnold. Go figure <laughs> on that. ice. <laughs> ice to meet you. I mean, the guy, come on. The guy's just walking around in a ridiculous, like a bad Power Ranger costume. Well, like a ridiculous Power Ranger costume. And just saying ice puns, and he's still having a good time. He's the only reason I ever bother watching that movie, because <laughs> at least he's enjoying himself. We got a comment here from Enshoma along those lines. He says, it was nice to get a simple adventure show with a single robot like Earthy over bloated slash hyperactive toy catalogs like the superfluous multitudes of Mecca in most Super Sentai seasons. Hmm. Amen to that. Uh, I, you know, uh, as the, you know, one of the co-hosts of the power trip, I can tell you, you know, there were certain seasons where it's just like, you guys are getting ridiculous, you know, and there, but then there were certain ones where I'm like, I love the beautiful simplicity of this. Hmm. Uh, one, one of note would be the, you know, would be Jew Ranger slash the, the, you know, Mighty Morphin season one, where there are seven Mecha. That's mm-hmm. it. And they all combine together at some point or another. But you, it was so beautiful. You had just seven. And then you had In Space slash Mega Ranger, where their first mecha isn't even a combiner. It's just a spaceship that transforms. Yeah. It's so wonderfully simple. I love it. And got back to that. Yeah. I, actually, I actually noticed at the in the final episode when it 
comes down to that crucial moment of convincing the V99 that that this invasion shouldn't happen. Earth Garon disposes of all of his upgrades. Blazar gets rid of the sword and Fardron and everything. And they're back to the way they were in episode one before, well, episode three for Earthy, um, before they got all those upgrades that may or may not have been toy motivated. And interestingly, once the invasion's called off and they still have to deal with Valoran, they don't pick him back up. They just stay as they originally were. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's something that really stood out to me. It's like, okay, that really does show that this wasn't made for uh, for selling toys. Right. Because they started by getting back to basics, and that's how they ended too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it, it, the idea here is... What's the oh? What's the word I'm looking for? It's uh the 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 toys the products is well a byproduct, yeah of it. Again, you let the artist make a good show, you're gonna make money. <laughs> yeah, the stuff will sell itself. The stuff will sell itself. I didn't, you know, I still I'm jealous that you have the Earth Garon, and I want an Earth Garon not because I was you know I was given a commercial every time I, every week watching the show, it's because earth Garon is just cool. <laughs> yeah. Even though he doesn't always have the best fight record. <laughs> no, but I think that's kind of the point. I mean, it's not his show. Let's be honest. Wait, we have to. <laughs> uh, too bad. We can't get the dub version. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) but that was actually I want to talk about that really quick because this was something that you talked about frequently in any of your videos because you you ended up being kind of right because you were a big fan of Earth Garon from the start and you're like, I wonder what they're going to do with him. Will he actually have a personality? Is he does he actually have an AI blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, you ended up being right. He kind of does. Yeah. Or it. It didn't really come to the forefront until much later in the series mm-hmm. when he was given a voice and everything. But we we got our first hint of it in that weird one with the washing machine where the alien canon <laughs> take over just, all the machines. I just love that that sentence was just uttered. And that weird yeah. one with the washing machine. Anyway. <laughs> only only in the Ultra series, folks. Um, <laughs> eh, Super Sentai would do something silly like that. Super Sentai literally had a purse monster. But anyway. Hmm. Anyway, like he, he, like you have those early on hints, and then suddenly he's given a voice. He becomes a proper character, and then it ties into the whole uh, underlying story: the question of why he was made in the first place. Because clearly he was already built, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm, I also speculated why call him Earth Garon specifically when just Garon would do. And turns out he's made because he is protecting Earth from these aliens that were considered a threat, at least at the beginning. And it's really interesting to see how, despite the fact that he's technically not the main character, he develops in such interesting ways throughout the series and even becomes uh, the one who saves the world at the very end. Do we want to get to that yet, or? Uh, 
I think we can talk about a few other things because it does, the ending for this well, is pretty interesting. Is pretty interesting. I do want to p- spend at least a little bit of time talking about the monsters in this. Oh yeah, because the I feel well, the monsters are a little all over the place. I don't think any of them are bad. I would say mm-hmm. some are definitely more interesting than others. I can tell you there was really only. Probably one where I'm like, after I finish it, like I need the toy of that one. Oh, I can't remember what it's the, it's the one from their first two parter with the really long, insane name. Gigi Kagachi. Yeah, that one. I'm like, I need a toy of that. Mm. I need and a toy. And you were a fan. And you were a fan of that two parter. You went so far as to call it the, the superior Shin Godzilla, which <laughs> that's your opinion, not mine. I would just like to throw that yeah. out there. <laughs> If people don't know nice to shit Godzilla. <laughs> if people don't know how I feel about that movie by now, then I don't know. Yeah, we don't, don't have to what... we don't have to rehash that, but Yeah. But like Yeah, Nichikigachi was very interesting because like they play on the idea of him being a living storm, tying into mythologies about rainbow serpents, all this that and that interesting stuff they do with the design of like he has that face shield at first that looks like yes uh, a weird segment of a triceratops skull that can unfold revealing even more colors and his actual face the the figure does a weird paint job where the inside of that is just like the uh the Ukrainian flag, but like, <laughs> the the actual, oh man, oh, given, given current events, I'm, oh man. The, but that's just the figure inside the actual, um, the, the actual suit, it's like a whole array of colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nijigigachi's cool. Yeah, I'm trying to find, uh, I've got the, the ultra wiki page right, here. Right there. Yeah, where's right there, the, right in the middle. This one? No. Both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the two forms. I hope we can. There we go. We actually get a picture. This thing is wild. Yeah. This thing is just wild. And I think, yeah, that's when he, that's when the face shield comes off. Mm. It almost looks like Mothra wings underneath, to be honest. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, yeah, he definitely looks like a rainbow serpent. I can mm. say that. And he came back as a ghost. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and w- which is interesting that he's the Rainbow Serpent because I've heard that there are actually some Native American legends that actually believe rainbows were literally giant serpents rubbing their mm. backs against the sky. Oh yeah, there's there's all kinds of different myths about those. Yeah, and they used have, to know them much better. Yeah, and then just uh, there's a few here that I would like to personally highlight uh, th- just for fun. This is Bazanga. <laughs> The first wave. The first wave, you know, the but you know, Bazonga. That should be that needs to be a catchphrase now. Instead of Bazinga, it should be Bazonga from now on, you know, with uh, with Kaiju fans. I don't know. I might be willing to get a toy of this one just because he does look he does look pretty cool and he's a very effective first opponent mm. in the show. And then I'm uh, I'm also a big fan of this fellow oh. right here with the guns. Yeah. Gorgo. <laughs> the mountain monster. Yeah. I just like First off, first off, he looks like a boss from Shadow of the Colossus, which I have to bring up because I use a remix of the Shadow of a Shadow of the Colossus song as the theme song for the film vault, and then you put the the cannons on top of him. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's great. So, and he's the first monster they save. 
Yes, yeah. Yeah, they they do do that. And let me see. What's Delton Doll's a cool one, I thought. Uh, which one is that? This one? Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't I, I wasn't a big fan of the fight in that episode. Yeah, the the, the fights there were clearly where the budget restrained them a little, but in terms of design, I mean he's yeah. a stealth fighter kaiju. Yeah, he looks like Iron Man and Gauss had a baby. <laughs> don't give the fan artist ideas oh yeah yeah deviant heart is you know it's gonna live up to its name and then we did have a handful of returning kaiju you know the we had garamon not pigmon it's garamon so yeah. this is the ultra q version came back in this which that was the other thing i appreciated about this too because of budget constraints the last few ultra series have been leaning heavy into just bringing back past monsters because yeah. they have suits for those already that they made for stage shows or you know for past season past season so they're just recycling them because they can mm-hmm. almost all of the monsters in Blazar are new mm. and i really appreciated that but like but a few exceptions like the ones we see here yeah but and they're from all across yep but Demaga, but you know yeah. They're well, they're well used, but yeah, most of them are new. It's uh, <laughs> this one got a lot of attention online. <laughs> yep, Gavadon, like people were just going nuts, and this thing has been merchandised like crazy because it just screams plushy and pillow, marshmallow. <laughs> marshmallow. Yeah, you can toast that and they, eat it. They should know, actually with, make those. They should if, make marshmallows like yeah. a pocket. I mean, <laughs> sell them for Easter. They could be the new peeps. <laughs> Would you feel bad sticking that, you know, sticking that on a a steak and roasting it, and then you know eating it I between just, graham crackers and chocolate? I would just, I just put it in the hot cocoa. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, Gabalga. Gabalga's a weird one. Which one? Which one's Gabalga? I can't quite see the, the second name. wave. The weird meteor-looking one above uh, this uh, one. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, I, hey, up yeah he looks like up. yeah he looks like he's like a a, a, a roided up armadillo <laughs> yeah but like when he's opened up he, like he has a face in the middle of him and oh yeah he's wild you can't tell if he's a machine or if he's organic yeah he's wild Talk about alien <laughs> yeah for sure so i gotta say the monsters in this are great and i'm so mm. glad that the you know the nostalgia monsters <laughs> were kept to a minimum, and of course, like I, I think we mentioned, Red King and Gigas were in there. Yeah, I'm, they're not Together. on here, which is a little unfortunate. This list I, is far from complete. Their their episode, I as I was watching, it, I thought, hmm, giant gorilla, giant dinosaur like creature, giant robot dinosaur like creature. I feel like I've seen this recently. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i have a do you think that might have been a deliberate like they threw that combination in as like a sort of nod to godzilla versus kong or like not being overt about it but just sort of like hey Maybe, if you're a super kaiju I fan mean, i mean earth garen is basically a mecha godzilla cousin yeah 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 got some comments here i want to go over so we got some more from n shoma he says i think it's safe to say the new and returning monsters and blazar were winners based on all the weekly fan art almost every character got across twitter 
what is it? What Pixiv? Pixiv? And similar art and social media sites. Uh, I thought we were calling it X now. Twix, Twitix, the artist yeah, formerly known as Twitter, whatever. Yeah. You know, cesspool. That's what I call yeah, it. Well, yeah, it is. Well, um, no, all social media is a cesspool. What yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> and then we got another comment here from Enshoma. It says, Del, Ta- Del Tondo, the stealth bomber slug. <laughs> I also <laughs> love how they returned in the final episode to help save the day alongside hmm. the kaiju. That was. Oh, we'll be getting to that. Yeah, we'll be getting to that, which is weird. There's <laughs> as much. As I said, like there are points where it reminds me of Nexus having just finished Cosmos. There are points where it wants to be Cosmos too, which is really weird because Cosmos is about as opposite from Nexus as you can get. <laughs> and Although, what's crazy is they were made back to back. Yeah. Although um, the monsters could actually allow us to talk about one of our other topics, the variance in tone, because. The first fan favorite monster was Gatos, that fish monster, and he also introduced us to how cartoony Blazar's powers can be. <laughs> when when he, he literally did, when he has roll. he has a weaponized fishing pole. Yep. He turns his energy rod into a fishing rod, complete with the sound effects. Yeah, he subtly somehow. turns it he subtly taps into Looney Tune power. It's like Roger yeah. Rabbit, you know, who uh, friend Roger Rabbit, where mm-hmm. oh, what did they was that where the one I'm thinking of where they're like figuring out how to tap into tuneness or something like that. Is it Roger Robert? uh, I think there's some of that in, it feels like it should be like, there's a lot of how tunes work in that movie. Yeah. There's also back in action. Yeah. That it's also in that. I, it's just, I haven't watched just in tiny tune adventures. Yeah. True. I mean, I haven't watched any of these in four freaking ever. But the, I do know that, the, like in Who from Roger Rabbit, like the whole thing is, is the, the Bob Hoskins has to basically yeah. embrace his inner tune in order yeah. to defeat, what was it? No, it's not, what was the guy's Judge name? Doom. Judge Doom. I was like, it's not Dr. Doom. They can't do that. No, it was, it, but it was it's Doom. It was Judge something Dread. Doom. Yeah, it's not Judge Dredd. <laughs> yeah, so he has to do that in order to win. Mm-hmm which is the whole point. Yep. And that's what Blazar does. Sometimes there's the other time, like he turns it into a giant claw machine. <laughs> yeah. 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 A giant claw machine. Time, it's like the whole thing is just, it's just, it's just wild at points, but then there are like the first episode is pretty dark, literally yeah. and figuratively because it takes place at night and it has very moody lighting and but then you get episodes what non-stop action in that one too yeah 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 and then you get the stuff and then it's relatively light it almost cartoonish at points for a handful episodes so you get to the two-parter with what was the thing's name again Nikki kagachi then it suddenly got serious again then it was like then it got weirdly artistic with the Garamon episode. Where oh, the, the first, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the first episode I thought was kind of artsy too, but no, the Garamon episode was a different level. Yeah, that was like that. I, I it might be one of the best episodes of the series. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it goes places, man. Yeah. Well, I there's feel like white segments. There's the whole thing about how. Earth is the only place apparently in the whole universe that has music. And that 
move these aliens to delay their invasion for as long as possible just so they could enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's another Henri episode, which I'm sure no one was complaining about. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, yeah, uh, but the, I, that is a bit of an Ultraman tradition. It always mm-hmm. seems like, you know, the, the show will kind of, will set, you know, a status quo in terms of tone and style, but then it'll throw you these curveballs and the Akio Jisoji was the one who was uh, back in the, well, mo- mostly Showa and then a bit in Heisei. He was the, he was an art house director who was film director who was friends with Subaraya, Eiji Subaraya, and he talked him into directing episodes and hit you could all you always know when you're watching a Josochi episode of anything Ultraman because it gets wild <laughs> it gets yeah. it gets artsy it gets kind of abstract <laughs> but never to a point where you get completely lost at least no most- we don't he, he doesn't go full Kubrick with it but he gets dangerously close yeah <laughs> like uh, i i saw he did a couple episodes of tiga and a couple episodes of dina and they were i was like i, I this is just soji because <laughs> they stood out really crazy i've heard that the last ones he did were on max and i heard his episodes of max are probably the wildest things he ever did hmm you know, like I've heard, I had a friend who keeps uh, Daniel Demana of the Godzilla novelization project. He keeps talking about how, like, there's an episode of Max directed by Josoji where he's like, I, I just, I'm still trying to figure it out, and I'm not sure if it traumatized me or not. You know, <laughs> that's. Well, I've only just started rewatching. Well, I started mo- watching Max. I've, didn't pick it up, and then started it again recently. So, I'm not to that episode yet, but now I have something to look forward to. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. And actually, the, this comment here from Enshoma, you know, he's talking about about that uh, Garamond episode. So while I never liked the music uh, is a human-only thing trope in sci-fi, the Garamond episode is a wonderful homage to the original Ultra Q series showing Subaraya Productions' love for the past. Hmm. Agree with you totally, which actually, that's a, unless you have some other things to bring up for that, I think that's a good jumping-off point. We should talk about the music in this show. Oh, yeah. Now, I will say, I do think the theme songs, both at the beginning and end, outshine the score in this. This is not mm-hmm. the most memorable score in an Ultra series. It's not awful, but it doesn't really stand out, which it is probably, the. I would say that's like the lowest tier of mu- of, you know, of actual good screen music. You know, if it's like, it works. You just don't remember it, you know? And then I would say the level after that would be like, it's effective and memorable in context, but out of context, it's less interesting. I would say that's basically, that's basically the score to minus one. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's great in context, but it's not as fun to listen to outside of that. I finally got my CD of that. Like I, I feel like the best way to describe minus one score is, Excluding the Godzilla sweet pieces that are the ones we yeah, already the know. Yeah, Bay. Yeah. Excluding those, half the time it's Inception era Hans Zimmer, and the other half of the time it's Dungeon Synth. Yeah, basically. Yeah, but then you, but then the top tier. Yeah, but, but then the top tier would be music that 
is great in context and it war- is great listening outside of con- outside of the of that context which would basically be everything by john williams <laughs> i don't know. All- I think there is i think there is a lower tier which is music that's just awful like, oh yeah, that, that I'm talking about like in terms of like actual good screen music, those uh, are your three levels, and then under that is terrible. <laughs> like like Scrapper's theme from Pacific Rim Uprising. How about mo- an annoying synth thing? Yeah, I, I I mean I will admit I will admit after I did my podcast episode on Uprising, I'm softer to it now, but that doesn't excuse some of the stupid things that are still in it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway yeah anyway you know yeah, it's it's nowhere close to the original but i guess you could say that the blazar score is uh utilitarian perhaps does what it needs to do but yeah basically you can but doesn't necessarily stand out aside from the no. openings and endings yeah perhaps. well and, and the the score is is a uh, kind of techno-y little synthy mm-hmm. it's not really that orchestral but it gets the job done. The theme songs are where I think it really excels. We get three in this. With it, thankfully, they keep the same opening throughout the whole thing, and I really like this this mm. opening theme. You hear the whole version yet? Yes, because the music video is on YouTube for anyone who hasn't seen it. Yeah, yet. and I I really like this one. I the thing that's kind of weird for me with most Tokusatsu theme songs is I don't know. Maybe it's because I've just been raised too much on power rangers and other american media where i expect it to really just grab me as soon as as soon as i can because that you know that ron wasserman theme for power rangers is just like instant classic you know but you know but and then when i started watching the japanese stuff they 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 consistently had to grow on me i think the blazar theme probably had the shortest turnaround out of most of the modern toku that I've watched because I'm like, mm. I like the theme song pretty quick. It wasn't, it wasn't instant, but it, you know, it still came pretty fast. I think they just kind of took the anime opening approach. Just have it be a good oh, yeah. song. Uh huh. I mean, the lyrics are still about the show, but you know, on its own, you can listen to it and it's a good song. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm trying to look the, look these up right now. The, the opening themes and all that. Okay, here's the Ultraman wiki. Let me see. Keep vamping while I look this there up. Were, there were two ending themes. I, I got to say, I liked the first one a little better than the second one. I think the second one has its place, though. Yeah, it's it's a bit more of a softer winding down kind of ending, I suppose. Okay, I just found the, the names of the composers. It's funny that we were talking about it. I just found it, and... I don't know what the, it looks like. It has three people, but the first thing it says here on the wiki is composer. Bear with me here. Techno Boys, Paul Craft Green Fund, all in caps, and then it lists three different names. It's always all in caps when uh, it's, it's over in Japan. Yeah, Tomohisa Ishikawa, Toru Fujimura. And Yohei Matsui. So there you go. But no, our theme songs, we had Bokuro, a Bokuro no Spectra, which was the, the opening theme by Hiroshi Kitadani. And then, the well, this one only has the 
first end theme listed here. So this mm. this wiki page is out of date. But the first one was called Black Star by Mendarin. I will admit that one's a probably catchier, but I, I I can't argue with the the melancholiness of that second one. And I saw a really poetic description of it about how it the image that it conjured in someone's mind was that it was like you know someone who was a little bit older a little bit beat down by life, but was still holding on to mm-hmm. optimism, you know, and the, but, and the, and still had, despite a somewhat of a loss of innocence, still had this compunction to, you know, to still like just break out into dance. I think is how somebody explained it, which I thought was a really mm-hmm. interesting description of it. And you can, I guess maybe you could apply that to the characters. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to see if I can find the name of the. Here it is. Yeah, uh, ignition. Like a blazer. Yeah. Oh, ignition. Right. Yeah. Oh wait. Like a blazer. Wait. Wait. Chorus. Wait. What is it? Oh no. It- no, that was the insert theme. Never mind. No, it's brave. Brave blazer. Oh. Okay. By Techno Boys, Polecraft, Green Fund, featuring Mindarin. <laughs> okay. You got all that because we're not repeating it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So. <laughs> There's two there's two Ultraman wikis, and clearly one is better than the other. <laughs> mm. uh, so if you're ever if you're ever looking up uh, stuff on an Ultraman wiki, go with the one with the black background. That's the one mm. you want. Trust me. Okay. So mm. yeah, I'm a like I was saying, I'm a big fan of these here. I I would say this is probably the best opening theme since. The one for Z. Z had a banger. That one took me a, a little while to get used to, though. But that one was that ended up becoming a banger. I mean, obviously it is because I use an excerpt of it to announce my patrons when I do shout-outs mm. on every episode. But the I the Decker and the uh, Trigger themes were just okay. Mm-hmm. Which is saying something because they're remakes of some of the best Ultraman in the entire franchise, and their theme songs are iconic, especially Tiga's. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, good luck. <laughs> like, they might have um, just been better off just doing a cover. <laughs> well, then that brings up the question which of Tiga's? Because there are a couple episodes on that. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. specifically of Take Me Higher. That is the icon. Yeah. I do like the the alternate theme. The, the, the alternate theme's no slouch, but Take Me Higher is an icon. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but Trigger Trigger's theme is okay. This one was a welcome upgrade to the last few. Mm. What are your thoughts on the music? I agree. Like, the opening... I, I like me some good rock and roll. And, I mean, this is... I mean, it's pop pop rock to a certain degree, but mm-hmm. it's still really good. It it uh, starts high energy, never lets up. Uh, Earth Garen looks is able to dance to it. If you've seen that video, um, <laughs> that, that was, was from a while ago. That was so wholesome. <laughs> that was so wholesome, and I kind of love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. 
the, and of course it syncs well with the visuals of it too. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, the way it begins has that sort of some steadily growing urgency to it as we're getting this POV shot of Gento flying through the universe. Mm-hmm. And, and it hits that high note right as we get the flash transition into the title. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, that, that's another good sign of a good opening when the right. music yeah. and the visuals for it work so well. Yeah. And the, the ending that's not necessarily as vital because the ending for every, for Ultra Series basically just replay the highlights of the episode. Yeah. But but the music I mean the I think Black Star felt more in line with uh the opening music. So I, I, maybe that's why I like it a little more because it feels more like it belongs with the opening. Uh, Brave Blazars, I, I guess I understand what it's going for. It's not bad. I think it's the robotic vocals that are that break yeah. in every once in a while. Those don't. Oh really yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That sound very, very auto tuned. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to break it. I I hate to break it to you. Music industry. I don't care what country you're from. Auto tuning generally does not work unless you're Daft Punk. Mm. And the only reason it works for Daft Punk is because that's their persona. They're robots. Exactly. (laughs) You know, and they know how to use it. Just I did hear Alice Cooper use it effectively at one point. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's because Alice Cooper is nuts. <laughs> but he knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, did you, speaking of the theme, the, did you did you watch that video I sent you of the, the really cool fan-made English cover? I haven't yet. I clicked on it for some reason. It wanted to confirm I wasn't a robot, which hasn't happened to me when I've clicked links before. Okay. You know what? I'm just going to rectify that now. I'm just going to just show it to everybody. It's a really cool cover. And can we do that and get away with it? I think so. I mean, it's only like a minute long. I don't know if that's long enough for the bots to get mad at me. I think uh, the longest you can do with music is 30 seconds. And even I don't pushing that yeah well well we'll see what happens i guess i could i don't know like we could always just put a link in the description or something yeah i mean yeah i mean i wouldn't mind well i might just i might still try playing at least a little bit of it you know just to give people a flavor for it because it's a really cool cover and the singer who does it on her youtube channel she does some toku and a lot of anime covers and she does the same thing she does these very very cool transliterative the English language covers, which is hard to do, for sure. Scorch- and I gotta wait for this to get over with. And okay. Well, at least you can skip it. Well, that gives you an idea, and we'll just stick with thirty seconds for now. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Good, I, I yeah. will put a. I'll put a link in there, in the chat for anyone who wants to see it. Yeah, that was good. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it gives you an idea if you haven't seen the show yet of what the opening's like. Just mm-hmm. you know, 
different language, different singer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there. I got the. I got that in there. I highly recommend it. She also did a an English language cover for the full version of the Ultraman Z song, and I actually switched over to that for the film Volk, so now people can actually understand what's being said. Hmm. But also because I got a little tired of getting a little copyright ding that says like, okay, you know, it's fine, but we detected a copyright thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we freaking bots. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's to the point now where even something that is technically public domain, they yell at you now. Every year now for Kaiju Kim's live streams, we try to play a movie or a short so that we can riff on it and watch it together. And we're like, oh, Santa Claus conquers the Martians. That's public domain. She still got, she still got dinged. We tried watching, we tried watching an educational short. That one I sent you with the stop motion dinosaurs from the early eighties. We're like, oh, it's an educational short. That's public domain. Nope. Still got dinged. (laughs) Is it a high quality version? What for Santa Claus conquers Uh, the Martians? Yeah. The things you get dinged for. Cause like, I don't remember. From, from what I've seen, like when people note pub of uh, stuff that's pu- technically public domain, it's usually like the uh, visuals recorded on a potato kind of stuff. If yeah. you go for the high def stuff, that's probably on a DVD or Blu-ray somewhere that's owned by someone. So <laughs> it's ridiculous. But then again, but then again, riff tracks. Literal, I think like literally the uh, the day of, I think released a riff of Steamboat Willie. <laughs> yeah, because they could. That's parody. <laughs> they can get away with it anyway. Yeah, well, I think they intentionally waited until the public domain because yeah. they're like, ha ha! <laughs> Just like the people who made the Mickey Mouse horror movie that debuted the trailer the day of. <laughs> Apparently that is the new tradition. That's get. I guess that's the tradition now. You know, something goes into public mm-hmm. domain, it gets a slasher movie. Come the heck on, people. That's a rant for another day. I <laughs> someone was pointing out that basically in about five years, the original King Kong movie, unless something crazy happens, will fall into public domain. Which <laughs> well, I think makes some things easier because. Kong kind of has one foot in public domain already with the Lovelace novelization. So now basically the all of the 1933 version will be a public domain in five years. Yeah. You know, although I am I, I am waiting for the day that Superman falls into public domain because you know I'm gonna go crazy and ri- start writing <laughs> some Superman stories because I don't think DC knows what they're doing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> although at least we won't have to worry about a killer Superman movie with that because they already did one with Brightburn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I'm still I didn't see it and I'm still on the fence about it. But then mm. again, now we've got DC making that Suicide Squad game where the whole point is just murdering the Justice League and I'm like, really, guys? Really? <sighs> anyway, that again, a rant for another day. So, you know, we talked about the music, characters, tone, all that. I th- uh Blazar himself uh, the kind of in the Nexus connections. Uh, this is just a fun little fact. This is the first finale movie for an Ultra series that's being shown theatrically. I think since 2019. Hmm. All the other ones, because of COVID, they either they didn't either they got postponed or you know, and then they ended up just being streamed yeah. only. You know, the like mm-hmm. Z Z didn't get one. Until they made a crossover movie 
for the end of Trigger. That was called Episode Z. And that was only available for streaming. And then the the Decker movie was streaming only. And now Blazar is getting a theatrical release. Which we haven't seen yet. So yeah, yeah we haven't seen it. It's not out until March. But the trailers kept playing with every episode. Yeah, that's part of the yeah. experience. When you started when you got to the end of you know, that actually that reminds me, because you made some videos about this. Why? Oh, why do they feel the need to do clip shows? I don't understand that. Because anytime I, I see anytime I well, see that there's gonna be a clip show, I just skip that week. Well, here's the weird thing. Like the first clip show that Blazar did, which I was surprised they even have clip shows, like I was pretty harsh on it for not really contributing anything to the story other than showing us what we already knew. And the the way it was advertised kind of made it sound like it was going to contribute something. And when I posted that video, I had people going, well, you don't get it, Omni. There was, it's a holiday over in Japan. Viewing is going to be down. So, of course, they just made a filler episode that's going to be filled with nothing just so they can meet the quota, but it doesn't have to contribute anything. Then we got the second uh recap episode but that actually did contribute stuff you remember that's where scarred sort of semi off duty like there are no monsters to fight and that's where we first learn that there is a some sort of cover-up going on we get a little more insight into what the characters are like when they're not facing a crisis and i'm just sort of like okay what was the first episode's excuse (laughs) And then we had those two weird animated ones later on. Um, yeah, I, I think, and they're not even—they're not even official episodes because they're not numbered. Yeah, yeah, it's I, it's weird. I don't understand it. If when we're talking like in the middle of the show, I mean, I get it for practical reasons. Like, well, then just take the week off. I mean, I don't know why you have to have something there yeah. all the time. It's not like. When you know when we're between Ultra Series and Subaraya, we'll just do these quote unquote series that are nothing but clip shows. You know, I was like, oh, it's Ultraman Zero, and he's hosting this look back on different things in the Ultras in the Ultraman <laughs> universe. I'm like, okay, fine, that's cute and all. You know, and I get it. It's you know, you're maintain you're doing it to maintain some brand awareness while you're finishing up on the other show because you're not making a 50 episode show where as soon as this one's done, bam, next week, the next one starts. Yeah, I get it. But why in the middle of the show? I mean, I, I and it's <laughs> so unnecessary. I don't think I think in, in this age of VOD anymore, clip shows are kind of pointless anymore. Yeah. I mean, back in the day where like, uh, you have, you might have had an ongoing plot, and you might need a reminder every once in a while of what's happened because there's a big thing that's about to happen, and you can't just go back and rewatch everything so easily. Mm-hmm. That then it would have made a bit more sense, though. Again, with the advent of home media, you just those are the episodes you always skip over. But here, like again, there's only one that actually contributes anything. It's still a clip show. But what's in between those clips, I feel, does still justify its existence, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen a few where they at least try to have some fun with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that the, 
I mean, the Neo Saban era of Power Rangers is just notoriously bad altogether, but they would do, they, they always made the clip shows their holiday episodes, which makes it kind of predictable and lame. But it, with a couple of them, they at least tried to have some fun. Like there's, <laughs> there was this one where it was just showing a bunch of defeated monsters and basically the monster afterlife. And they're just <laughs> hanging around and, uh, and complaining about the power Rangers. It's mm -hmm. like, Oh, how'd they get you? Well, this is what happened to me. And then they would cut over to, you know, yeah. them fight. what happened to them when they were fighting the power Rangers and cut back. And they were like, really? That's how they got you. You know, that's sort of a thing. So at least I tried to have some fun with it, but <laughs> Honestly, the best clip show episode of anything I've ever seen was from Ed, Ed, and Eddie because the clips were actually still new things. <laughs> so you remember that one? Yeah, I didn't watch Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I remember I grew oh, up you... without cable. Oh, my word. I mean, the whole thing's out on DVD now. You should yeah. check it out. It's it's a very well-made show. But, like, they had an episode that was a clip show but the clips were not from any previous episodes. They were brand new things made for that episode. And at the end of each one, they'd be like, I don't remember that. Yeah. So. I've occasionally, sometimes I've thought about as a joke, like when, uh, and I, this episode is coming out, but there was a part of me that kind of wanted as a joke to when I covered all monsters attack, which notoriously has a bunch of stock footage in it. I almost wonder, it's like, you know, what would be a gr funny, I mean, it would be funny if I just excise clips of the previous episodes I did on the movies <laughs> that are in that one and just played them in there. <laughs> but, oh, but then I realized that's a surprising amount of work. <laughs> yeah. You may as well just make a new episode. <laughs> you I mean, you could also do a framing device where it turns out there's some child who was just dreaming the whole episode. You're getting a little bit ahead of yourself there with me. Anyway, <laughs> we'll talk after the show. But, <laughs> yeah. So I think we've covered basically everything thoroughly. But you had a lot of points that you wanted to bring up uh, regarding the last couple episodes, our two-part finale here, mm. which I was, I, was, I was pretty impressed with. There's still some unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. You know, most of it having to do with Blazar himself, I would say. And the true nature of the V99. And, and the V99, yeah. We, we never actually see them. We just no. see the monsters they send. No. And their ships. Yeah, yeah. It, it, when, when they start, they keep talking about, like, what, what do they call it? The first wave, the, thir the second wave, third wave, and all that. I was getting Ava flashbacks. So it's like, oh, first impact, <laughs> second impact, <laughs> third impact. <laughs> and, you know, so there's still some unanswered questions. But... We get we, they play around with some really interesting things. Blazar mm. separates from Gendo from Gento to save his life, mm -hmm. and then he just ends up adrift in and then he ends up adrift in space after he, picking a fight with a monster on the moon. It's always exciting when Ultraman fights a monster on the moon, mm. and then our science patrol team basically hauls him <laughs> yeah. back to Earth. That's a great moment. Like we don't leave a friend behind. Yeah, so. we don't leave a friend behind, and then so they literally drag him back to Earth, and then he crashes in the middle of the city, and you know Gento is he can barely walk at that mm. point. He's just so worn out, and he's just he's trying to take care of the crisis without all you know. Blazar's help and then there's that wonderful scene 
that is was a little bit surprising is it's rare that you see a thing where the ultra separates from the host and he continues to exist in some form. Mm. Usually if they sep if they it's rare that they even separate, but if they do separate, you usually don't see stuff like that happen. Mm. Funny enough, sometimes they aren't always separate entities. Yeah. And although funny enough, I think one of the first times I can remember seeing that was in that American show. Hmm. <laughs> Ultraman powered or Ultraman the ultimate hero. They actually did that where the Ultraman just says, No, no, I I have to go fight these guys. I have to go fight. It was Zeton. I have to go fight Zeton. I'm probably going to die. I don't want you to die, so I'm going to leave you behind. And I'm going to go fight him, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, I think Gento is just assuming, oh, I, think, I don't think Blazar made it. And yeah. you know what? I He's like, I have to go finish this. I have to go finish this, even if it means I have to die. And then Blazar actually gets up and talks to him. It's the first time we've actually yeah. heard him talk for real. Coherently. And he and he uses this little it's not a catchphrase, it's more like something that Gento says to himself to keep himself centered, basically, which is I've got this. It's such a simple phrase. But the show but the writers know how to utilize this. So even though it sounds kind of common and almost cliche, in the right context, it gives it weight because he actually yeah. just gets up and he says, We got this because this is the first time we've ever heard him talk well coherently like i said yeah we already mentioned he's very loud yeah, he's very loud he scre- thankfully he screams less as the show goes on but yeah <laughs> but he still he, screamed a lot he really likes his rye bread yeah, <laughs> yeah and then they remerge to go deal with the problem so that's one major highlight Mm. And, but the I think you really wanted to talk about the end end. Yeah. When we find out it's like, hey, because we're like, what's all this intrigue with these government guys? There's a there's a cover up going on here. Yeah. And it turns out, oh, when the V99 showed up, we shot them down, not knowing what they were. And then they kind of got angry at us. Mm-hmm. And that's why they keep sending monsters. Yeah. And it, it was interesting the way they tied that all together. First of all, they actually do tie it all together. We've recently, as of this recording, come off the end of Monarch Legacy of Monsters, where they also had a government conspiracy involving monsters everywhere, and yet by the end it's just sort of like, nothing has been resolved. Wait for season two if it gets ordered. But here, they actually did go ahead and say, like, here are all of the answers that we've been building up. And it's all satisfying, even. And the, in particular, like they, they they tie in all the monsters that were part of it all, of course. But there's also that interesting approach where they, where Emmy says, "We believe that you did the best thing that you could do back then, based on the information you had. With the information we've got now." continuing the violence just isn't going to work. We especially can't do it knowing that you kind of shot first and uh, like we're the aggressors. We're not the, we're not necessarily the bad guys, humanity, but you know, we drew first blood without really thinking. Yeah. And of course that was why earth Garen was built because he was supposed to 
save the world from these aliens when they arrived. And he did, but not in the way you'd expect. Because by this point, he's got the full AI going. He can talk. He can kind of think for himself, even though he still has to be piloted. And it's also revealed he can communicate with the aliens because he's got some of their technology built into him, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, they did the whole Roswell crash reverse engineer thing. I mean, they hinted at that with that one weird sea monkey alien, of course. Um, but it, it's curious because Earth Garen's the sidekick for most of the series. He doesn't have a single victory to call his own. He always gets knocked out of the fight, or he's lucky enough to land a blow at the same time Blazar does. Mm-hmm. But you can't really look at that and say, well, he won. <laughs> And, and in and in one episode, he was the monster of the week. Yeah, the one with the washing machine. Yeah, <laughs> we keep coming back to that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> now we we do get some returning aliens in that. They were from Ultrasound. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, it, even even though I did still like him, towards the end, I was starting to wonder. Like he failed so many times. Like. Without Blazar there, Earth would have been destroyed 30 times over at this point. So what is his purpose? Is he actually going to be useful? And at the end, it turns out he is. He is, while the actual fight with Valoran still goes in the direction of they have to work side by side and Blazar is ultimately the one who finishes the monster off, it's Earth Garen who ends the invasion. And he doesn't do it by shooting or or punching or anything. He does it by contacting the aliens and sending them a message that they at least understand. Mm-hmm. So, and it, you've uh, you, you alluded to this earlier how Blazar seems like a combination of Nexus and Cosmos, and Cosmos is specifically. He was meant to be the pacifist Ultraman. He's the pat. Yeah, let me let me explain that. I, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, because because uh, you've only oh, seen so, the mo- you've only yeah. seen the first movie and Cos- a couple episodes. But. Yeah, Cosmos is the show. The show. Well, the first movie especially is definitely for kids. I think the show is especially early on is really meant to be for kids, but then it gets a little weird as yeah. time goes on. And the last We're two movies, get a little, yeah, and the and the other two movies get a little weird when it comes to that. But then you get to Nexus, and Nexus is clearly meant for adults. But hmm. not in the sense where it's, like, hyper R-rated, like it's on HBO, and, you know, there's, like, decapitations and boobs yeah. and swearing and all. No, it's just more... Gro- it's just... It's a little bit more violent, it's darker, and is very grown up with its storytelling, yeah. it's which is how I cool. like it. Because, you know, because, honestly, it's just throwing in a bunch of salacious content like that into your stuff and calling it adult like that doesn't make it adult guys <laughs> it really doesn't but nope. but uh anyway cosmos is a pacifist for all intents and purposes he's a pacifist he doesn't want to kill the monsters his host is the same way he's like i would rather save monsters not kill them so he tries instead of doing a specium beam and blowing them up he will do his finishing move 
pacifies the monster so they're not aggressive anymore and then he Unless can they've been duplicated in which case apparently he does kill them yeah and then you know, well and well no that's because there's this alien entity called chaos header that will possess yeah. the monsters and then he'll he learns a new technique where he can expel the chaos header from them so he can separate them but and then he takes them or the science patrol team in that one there was a uh, uh, eyes is what they're called. They would take them to an island that's basically a preserve, you know, so because the world needs more monster islands. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of those. But anyway, so it, it, now there were episodes where he went up against a truly malevolent force, and I'm like, okay, because I'm like, that's the obvious thing you do. You make the pacifist fight something that he can't pacify. You know, mm -hmm. that's what makes the Borg such great villains in Next Gen, especially for Picard, because Picard is the diplomat. He wants to talk his way out of a fight. He can't negotiate with the Borg. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. So, you know, and they, they played into that a bit and it, it had some kind of mixed results, especially at the end. It felt kind of muddy at the end where, you know, he, where they, they go so far out of their way because they give you the backstory on what chaos header is. And they're trying to say like, yeah, he's chaos header has done a bunch of malevolent and awful things, but it was created not really good or evil. It's just carrying out its programming. And I'm like, okay, you're getting kind of murky here. I don't care if you're trying to say, well, it wasn't made evil. It's just, you know, turned that way because the thing literally said, I'm going to wipe out everything because this is what yeah. my programming tells me. And I mean, it, Thankfully, it didn't end with something goofy like Cosmos hugging the thing and then it stops being evil. But he does basically redeem the thing at the end. And I'm like, this is just weird. And it does it's not working, guys. It's just, this is not working. Here it does. Hmm. So, like I said, I was like, this got the Cosmos thing. It did the Cosmos thing and it makes more sense here. Hmm. Yeah, because because you can say it was it was basically a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was they they're as you talked about earlier, our heroes are literally throwing off all of their weapons, all of their yeah. power ups, and just holding their and just holding themselves up with their arms outstretched and just like stop it, please. And then the monster still shoots at them, and they just take it. Yeah. They just take it until our human heroes, you know, talk, are able to negotiate with the V99. And then they say, like, all right, clearly it was a misunderstanding. We're sorry about that. So mm -hmm. we're not going to invade. But, but we, here's the thing. Unlike in Cosmos, yeah, the pacifism thing gets rewarded. But then they're like, okay, we're done. And they're like, oh, we're done? Okay, now we kill it. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. yeah, the, the monster's monster still, still running like, amok yeah you know they sent it there but they're not controlling it and they're not going to bring it back either yeah so, uh, so we still get an exciting action finale I mean, here i guess you could rationalize that by saying well they've got a giant robot and a giant of light so they've got this yeah <laughs> basically still, yeah I to mean, quote like, gento <laughs> yeah yeah still i mean little bit callous but i i mean they did we did humanity did shoot first so i guess it's kind of like you know yeah we, we uh don't exactly owe you guys so yeah it's kind of like you know it's it, it's like 
if someone shot, I don't know, shot a missile at the at somebody, and then the two sides negotiated while the missile's on its way, and they're like, okay, well, that was just going to be the missile was just the start of our invasion. So, okay, fine, we won't invade you, but have fun with the missile. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Because we can't stop it. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the impression I get. They send the monsters. They're not controlling them. You know, yeah. they're just letting them loose. So Valoran is one heck of a monster. Right. Yeah. He's Let me see if I can. Find, I'll, I'll look up a picture of him. He's powerful enough to potentially knock the moon out of its orbit. And, yeah. And he could potentially destroy the Earth. <laughs> because he just leaves bombs behind him. And they're gross. They're these bio bombs. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And he just, yeah. oh, he looks gnarly. Uh, the, let me, I'm going to bring Yeah, like this weird combination of an earthworm and who knows what else. Yeah. Yeah. Here he is. Yeah. Yeah. There he is in all his alien weirdness. <laughs> Would you expect anything I mean, else? Too, like his his head gets weirder. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, um, they, he certainly did prove to be an, a good final villain compared to all the other monsters, even the other two parter ones. Mm-hmm. So he, and of course, he's the one that actually not not only. Uh, not only is he defeated by um, Blazar and Earthgarum, but his bombs are gotten rid of by other terrestrial kaiju, mm-hmm. which they again, eat like, them. yeah, <laughs> and they're the ones. Okay. Okay. I, this that just amuses me to no end. They ate the bombs. Yeah. Well, what else are they gonna do? <laughs> and it, and of course, we even got a hint before then that that was gonna be the case with the Teganular stuff. Even back in the first episode where the whole thing is we have to stop him or he or if he absorbs too much, he'll explode. And who knows how much of the area he'll take out. And instead, all he does is he fires a beam into the sky. And there's that moment where Blazer's just like, well, that was weird. But anyway, (laughs) and, and, you know, it it is weird at first, but then you see, you see the later episode where the Teganulars are all over the place and we learn, oh, they're actually firing at something that's coming towards us. Like then you, uh, part of the way you can tell when a series is really well written is when you can actually look back at something that seemed random at first and go, oh, oh, now it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those. I mean that it's not like the monsters that showed up to eat the bombs at the end were all good guys. Like the Delton dolls were all clearly destructive, but then you had Demaga and the younger Demaga mm-hmm. who were clearly sympathetic in their episode. Mm-hmm. That was uh, something else that happened in Cosmos as well as mm-hmm. the monsters that Cosmos saved all showed up to help out at the end too. Mm-hmm. Not all of them show up in this one, obviously, but mm-hmm. the ones that were recurring or the mm-hmm. ones that were clearly sympathetic, mm-hmm. they came back. Mm-hmm. And I think, was it in Z? I think some of the monsters in Z came back to help too. Mm-hmm. But like I said, like it handles the whole 
non you know pa- a non-violence thing very well because they're like we can't solve this with violence because that's yeah. just going to beget more violence they're sending an invasion <laughs> fleet they think we're the aggressors we can't do this and then they talk it out it's <laughs> It's mm-hmm. a very Honda sort of way of dealing with things, talking it out. But it worked. Yeah. And it resolved most of the questions we had. Mm-hmm. There are still a few mysteries. Yeah. Like, I, I was actually expecting that there was going to be more of a connection between Blazar and the V99 because Bla- Blazar was pulled in with their wormhole technology. And then they pulled in Fardron, who... They said, like, Fardron was clearly connected to Blazar beforehand. And you're thinking, like, so do they know them? They mentioned the Land of Light, but, it, yeah, that, that's one of the questions we still have lingering. Yeah, yeah. But, and and Shoma says, Tagamular, the secret hero of the series. The giant bug. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's still some questions. I, I I was very happy that the last scene of the show is Gento going home. It's very predictable, but it's something that we all wanted yeah, as the cause audience. Because he's, he's a, a family man. He That's why he's doing all of this. Mm-hmm. He, he Obviously, he's not being honest with them because they don't know he's on the front lines. But mm-hmm. still, like they're his reason for all of this. And... His son is even the reason he gets his own version of the Specium Beam at the end. Mm-hmm. Channeled through that little homemade bracelet. Yep. Which I'm like, I'm like, oh no, you're gonna give him like some last second power up or something at, <laughs> with this? Are you gonna bandai this up? No, thank <laughs> goodness they don't bandai this up <laughs> with some yeah, last they- second power up. I mean, it is a last-second power-up to a degree. But yeah, but not one that's going to necessitate another toy. Yeah, something you can make at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking, the, I'm talking like he gets like a new set of armor or something. Yeah. You know, or like uh, you, know, uh, you know, some sort of arm cannon or whatever. And it is interesting that much like the way that Blazar connected with Gento at first, it's through a bracelet. Mm-hmm. I mean that had to be intentional, right? Oh, I'm I'm sh- I'm sure it was, and the, I yeah. I was a big fan of the of the family in this and the mm-hmm. the kid, and so you know it it was very satisfying to see that you know be the the end of the show, mm-hmm. not you know some sequel baiting with Blazar or something like that or the monsters. Nope, it's mm-hmm. he goes home because that's what's important to him. They could always do another season with Blazar if they wanted to, mm-hmm. but clearly it's the end. Clearly, yeah. For now. Clearly it is the end, and I, and I for one, am very satisfied with it. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. we've still got the movie coming, and I don't, I'm not entirely sure what's going to be going on with the movie. Yeah, because they don't subtitle the commercials. No, they or don't. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't, but... Yeah, so themes and meaning. I don't know if we really went over that. I think that's a good place to kind of. You know, I, th- I feel like that's. I was gonna say. I think uh, you know if if you've got some thoughts on that, I think that'd be a good spot to close up our discussion here because we are going on about two hours now. Well, that's short for us. Yeah, um, kinda. <laughs> um, I mean, like, like you said, ultimately, I do think there's a theme of. Uh, 
maybe not full-blown pacifism, but certainly like knowing when to strike and when not to. I think they struck a good balance there. Mm-hmm. It's not going so far as to say you must never fight back ever. It's more like know when to fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I was gonna yeah, say I also think that the because of how Gento and Blazar were in conflict with each other there for a while, I do think there's a level mm. of not. I don't know. Mm, I don't think cooperation is the right one. I feel like it's it's about trust, because especially for Gento, because he doesn't really understand Blazar because Blazar's so alien. Yeah, but then Blazar does things like interfere with him when he's not transformed. But then, mm-hmm. and then even when they are transformed, he runs interference. You know, he's yeah. literally punching himself in the face <laughs> so he doesn't execute a monster because he's like, it has a baby. You can't kill this thing. Yeah. It's just and, protecting its young. And there was also that one episode with, who was the, I, I, his name's on the tip of my tongue, the alien that was like killing the ghosts of the kaiju. Oh, I can't, oh, I wish I could remember. That was actually one of the more interesting episodes. Yeah, the old-fashioned samurai way of talking that Gento picks up on. Yeah. I think that also had a certain influence in, like, that that whole arc, even though he was there for one episode. Yeah, and the one, and the episode with the kaiju with with a young, he was, basically, Blazer reminded us, like, you're a dad. Yeah. You're a dad. What are you doing? So, so there's a level of trust there with that. I do think Blazar learns to trust a little bit too mm-hmm. toward the ends, you know, especially, you know, and, you know, and I think, I think it's more in the fact that he's like, I know I need your help, you know, mm. at the end there. And I think Gento, Gento and Blazer also, I think both learn what their limits are and that yeah. they can't push themselves too hard, which is kind of basically Gento's, whole plot line right the the tried and true overworked dad thing now in his case it's because he's working a job that really does truly require a lot of his time because he is you know it's like military families you know the dad's got to go serve you know he's been deployed you know and he's got to go overseas or he's got to go do training so he's gonna be gone i grew up with that to a certain extent because my dad was in the, the air guard so you know i i knew what that was like you know so there and that puts a strain on his family. And, you know, there are occasions when, mm-hmm. you know, you do have these kind of classic superhero moments where it's like, I got to go do the superhero thing, but I can't tell them, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what little do they know, you know, especially when the, the kid is like, I love blazer. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that must've met, made Gento feel pretty cool. Right. Cause he's like, yeah. And you know, little do you know, little do you know so and as usual this is just a tried and true staple of the franchise which you know it's all about uh, it's about optimism it's about hope it's about determination you know and it's manifested in different ways and in kind of in different phrases you know as well camaraderie of course that's a big part of it yeah yeah yeah, and 
respect is you know is another one you know especially with, with the the science patrol teams some of them have more tension amongst them than others not so much in this one they're pretty well unified in this i love the the little quirks that this team had though mm-hmm. you were talking about this in some of your early or maybe i'm thinking of somebody else to talk about how you know it's interesting how the level of office politics is kind of this going on with this team <laughs> you know? yeah no not to the point where it gets boring no, not at all. And uh, I actually where it becomes the office. Yeah, yeah, not quite there. But I did. Lo- I love how I love how Gento surprises them all by keeping things relatively casual. Yeah, early on, he's like, "Nope, we're that you go by your first name or a nickname here." Yep. So <laughs> that's and that goes a long way towards the team becoming a proper team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that—that's how—that's how you and Snazzy relate to each other, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, everything winds up getting a nickname. Earth Garen becomes Earthy. The van gets a nickname for heaven's sake. <laughs> what did they call that thing again? Um, it was something based on the acronym for it. Oh yeah, uh, because when I heard, it's like, guys, do you realize what that sounds like? I'm trying to remember. It was so stupid. It, well, not stupid. It was, was almost stupid. What? It, that's the point. It's supposed to be a little bit silly. Yeah. Oh, I just wish I could remember what it was. Someone's gonna oh, yell at us in the. To... Someone's gonna yell at us in the chat. I'm sure. You don't still have the wiki pulled up? Uh, I if do. they don't have a wiki for the van, then <laughs> a wiki for the van. Uh, let me see. Do we have something for? Let's see, GGF does that have? Okay, wait. No, that's the characters. Uh, others, kaiju, guest, guest cast, voice actors, suit actors. Surprisingly, there is not a breakdown over their gear. Huh. Well, I mean, they're they're not as geared up as other teams, so. Right. I just. I yeah, I'm not. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not finding anything, oh, well. unfortunately. But yeah, it has a... What is it? It's going it to bug me until I remember. The, the nickname gets introduced later. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could remember. Yeah. Okay, you know what? Here, I'll just do Ultraman Blazar Van. <laughs> Ultraman Blazar Dubbing Wiki. Wow, it might help if I can spell. There. The Moppy. There it is. Because it's the scarred mop. So they called it Mop. No, uh, no, it looked like it said Mopey. I'm like, Mopey? But I think it's supposed to be Moppy, but it looks like Mopey. I'm like, what? (laughs) You have a sad sad van? No, I'm just picturing like if that thing had a voice, like if that thing had a voice like Earthy, it would just sound like Marvin from from Hitchhiker's Guys. Like it's just like I was like, I'm not happy. I'm having an existential crisis. Oh no, it's another kaiju. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's right. Just set me down anywhere, Earthy. Not like I. Not, not like it matters. Yeah, 
I wouldn't care if you stepped on me or if the monster stepped on me or if anyone stepped on me. It might even be preferable. Oh, great. A parking ticket. (laughs) I suppose it's my fault, isn't it? I I didn't mention we were illegally parked. (laughs) Did the cop not see that there was a monster attacking and I needed to be in a strategic position? (laughs) why didn't he evacuate (laughs) he needs my money that much (laughs) so as you can see even the van gets attention (laughs) even the van gets attention Uh, oh yeah yeah any closing thoughts well i mean like I said, I wanted to do this because I thought it worked out really well in the long run. Blazar, uh, 2023 was such a great year for kaiju stuff, and Blazar was just one of the many great things about it, but it really stands out because of how well everything came together. It was, it in some ways it was a return to form for the Ultra Series, and in other ways it still... F- figured out how to be new and interesting. So it, it it also did away with a lot of the stuff that have been dragging recent shows down. Yeah, but Ultraman Blazar just it I guess I don't want to say it surprised me because I was hoping it would be good, but like there were things about it that I wasn't expecting to work as well as they did. So, yeah. If you haven't seen it, don't keep sleeping on it. You should check it out. Yeah, I believe all the episodes are available on Superaya's YouTube channel. When they for a while, they would only each new episode would only be up for 2 weeks and then it would go away. I don't think they're doing that anymore. I think they leave yeah, them up. This one's been sticking around anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's. I think they, I think they intended basically from the ground up to for this to be part of their big push mm. into the I international mean, arc. I mean, that's why it launched with a dub. This yeah. is the first one that it, I think this is actually the first one that's launched day one with a dub as part mm. of the simulcast. Now, of course, if it does get a physical release over here, it might not stay up. But well, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, who knows? I mean, there have been other so, quote-unquote streaming series that have gotten physical releases, and they're still on the streaming service. Hmm. So it's still po- it's still possible. It's still possible. But, yeah, I would highly recommend it. It's probably – honestly, it. I felt like it was a major step up from what I have seen of most of the new-gen hero stuff. I mean, I haven't seen as much of that as I have the other eras. I've seen all of Showa. I've got most of Heisei done at this point. I'm about two-thirds of the way through Heisei. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen bits and pieces of new-gen heroes. I've seen Z and Decker and Trigger, and this was such a breath of fresh air compared to that. And I hope that this becomes the model for Supro going forward. I do think... They we've at least heard what the name of the next ultra series is going to be called. 
Which is it's not the one where they're crossing over the different characters because I've seen they advertise that with the last few episodes. Is I, it that? Or I think that's else? the. I think that's no. It's not that. No, as far as I know, I mean, it, it, is that the clip show or is it an actual crossover thing? I don't know if it's a clip show, but like they're they're advertising. It was with the last few episodes where it was like, here's Z, here's uh, Ginga, here are here's Zero again, and like, I don't know. It yeah, might I don't, be. I don't know what's, what's going that. on with that one. No, it's it, no, it's called Ultraman Arc, A R K, which is funny because hmm. there's already an Ultraman Noah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when when Trigger got announced, there were ridiculous jokes with that. You know, Ultraman mm-hmm. triggered or Ultraman trigger warning. You know, it was it was fantastic. This one, I'm like, oh, you're just asking for more. You know, with with a name like that, you know, it's going to be Ultraman's Ultraman Arc, Arc or something. Ultraman Arc and Ultraman Noah going to make it rain. Yeah, going to make it rain. Yeah, there you go. I mean, like. At that point, you have to bring Nexus back <laughs> just for the jokes, <laughs> but but I in the but it's announced only in that someone found out that that was a trademark that Subaraya had registered. Hmm. So, yeah, which is how a lot of these tend to go. You know, people will find out about a Toku series getting its trademark registered, and then. Couple of weeks, a month, or whatever later, there's an official announcement made mm, by the studio. Now, the real question is: Will it be its own thing, or will it be in continuity with Lazar? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But here's a little comment from Enshoma to for some clarification. He says the next series is a clip show with hosts from various past shows and separate from Arc coming later this year. Oh, that's what we yeah. were. That's what I figured it was. Day. I think I figured it was the clip show. Because Subaraya has gotten very good at launching their new Ultra shows really close to Ultraman Day, if not actually on Ultraman Day. Mm-hmm. So July is when you can expect the next show most likely to start if they stay on schedule for what they've been doing. I mean, I think I watched... I think I literally watched episode two of Blazar while standing in line at G-Fest for something. <laughs> I've just got my phone out and I'm just watching it. <laughs> yeah. And it was the fishing one. And then I did the same thing for uh, at Gen Con a few weeks later. I was standing in line to go buy a shirt and I'm just sitting there in line watching Ultraman Blazar. And I'm like, you know, this <laughs> might, you know, me watching this show might seem a little weird to some people around here, but not much, you know. <laughs> and at G Fest, no one's going to care. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Highly recommend you you guys go check out Blazar and because it's it's a really good I think for those of you who haven't seen Ultraman and it feels really intimidating because it's such a huge franchise you can easily dive into this one without oh, yeah. any previous knowledge and I feel like because it you know it's got a lot of variance in it in terms of tone and all of that I think it actually gives you a pretty good indication of what the breadth of the series has to offer. You know, it's got some weird episodes and some standard episodes, some artsy episodes, you know? So, you know, and honestly, I think it might just be the best. I don't know. Here's an interesting question to end on the Omni and Snazzy. Does Blazar mark a new era 
in Ultraman because of how different it is from new gen heroes. It could. Um, I guess that really all depends on how well it did. I know that people like it. There's no doubt about that. Um, the question is, did enough people like it and support it to actually send the message that this is what we want more of? I mean, I certainly hope so with stuff like this that we are doing, leaving reviews or buying the merch that there is produced. Uh, I would hope that this is the beginning of a new era. I, I certainly wouldn't complain if it was. Yeah. I I ask because the way Ultraman is set up, it's similar to Godzilla where you have the quote unquote Heisei series, even though technically the first movie was still Showa Hmm. and they made more movies after that that were still technically Heisei, but they gave it a different name. And then you, so you have new gen heroes. That's mostly Heisei and then a little bit of Rewa so far, but they give it its own name. Hmm. So I'm wondering if Blazar could be the start of a quote unquote Rewa era for Ultraman because it's so different. It's different and yet in some ways familiar. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm hoping it is. Well, we 2023. Uh, I like I said, it was a great year for kaiju. It was also kind of the year that the kaiju genre got back to basics. Mm-hmm. You know, you had. Yeah, Blazar, which was a return to form for Ultraman. Yeah, Gamera Rebirth, which was new for Gamera, certainly, but was still very much grounded in the monster of the week. We're here to see the giant monsters duke it out kind of thing. Then, of course, Godzilla Minus One felt like a throwback to the earliest Godzilla movies. So I'm hoping. I am definitely hoping. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I will say this, I feel like, and this might be a hot take for some people, but I feel like Supro is probably, compared to Toei, I think is less interested in adhering to Bandai mandates. Toei seems like it's just fully on board with that 150% (laughs) at points. And sometimes I wonder if they just treat their tokusatsu as just product to churn out, where I feel like there's more... What? Yeah. Whereas I feel like at Subaraya, there's more interest in actually doing something artistic, which is why they're like, can you, Bandai, can you just, thank you for the money, but can you kind of get out of the way? (laughs) You know, let us do our thing. (laughs) Well, uh, like you said, they sneakily started this one before Bandai could make any interference maybe that was that's part of a long game maybe they're maybe they're doing the same thing with arc for all that we know or whatever the next one winds up being yeah and maybe this was maybe blazar itself in addition to being just a well-made show was also kind of a tactical maneuver to say, to tell bandai look this is what we can actually achieve. You're not going to lose anything. You're still going to get your money from the merchandise sales, but we can still do 
the kind of show we want to do. Yeah. All right, yeah. fine. We'll every once in a while we'll give him the toy sword, but he doesn't need one every three or four episodes. Right. I because I will I will tell you when it comes to. I, I notice it more with tokusatsu because I've been podcasting so much about tokusatsu the last few years, but I I tend to like the entries in a franchise that take bold risks and actually succeed at them. And to a certain extent, I do think Blazar was bold and, and took a few risks. Now, it's probably not the boldest or most a riskiest out of the entire franchise. But given that how Supro has in some form or another kind of been, I don't want to, they haven't been coasting. I wouldn't say because I've seen like, I've seen some episodes of Ultraman X that were actually really good. So I'm assuming that the rest of the show will be along the same lines, but you know, I do feel like they've kind of been coasting and playing it safe. And then they're like, you know, we really need to try something new mm. let's take some risks with blazar and do it so fast bandai can't tell us not to <laughs> <laughs> you know because my favorite my favorite seasons of power rangers are the ones that took risks and it worked out for them you know as my favorite common writer shows which i will although i will admit i'm not as well versed in common writer as i am other stuff are the ones that went in bold new directions and succeeded at them so I I think that's part of where my appreciation comes with this. So one last comment here from Enshoma. He says, I think Ultraman Blazar is a good gateway introduction to Ultraman for regular kaiju fans. Straight-faced and not too convoluted with a welcome focus on the characters and guest monsters. Yeah, and it, and it I think it also helps that you know you've got a, a, a as I put, called him a Mecha Godzilla cousin and a sidekick with her mm-hmm. on because I think that'll get people to watch. Oh yeah, that's, you know, well, well that'll get the that'll get I the ki- that'll get the kaiju crowd to watch. Yeah, it's part of why I wanted to check it out because I thought like, oh, he certainly looks intriguing. Yeah, because <laughs> to my surprise, there's not as much crossover as I would think between kaiju and quote unquote, and I say quote unquote tokusatsu fans because, but it's in the narrow definition that people have of like, Oh, tokusatsu is just the Japanese superhero shows. Mm. No, it's a lot of things. Tokusatsu literally is just special effects. Yes. So the kaiju stuff qualifies. You know, and some people even narrow it even further and say it's just, oh, it's just the Toei shows. It's like, no, super, uh, Ultraman counts. Ultraman yeah. is Tokusatsu. Ultraman is Henshin. I will fight okay. anyone who dares tell me Ultraman is not Henshin. <laughs> yeah, no. And the Ultraman, uh, Gecko Kamen, Red Baron, Johnny Sakona's Flying Robot, or Giant Robo, depending on who you ask. That's all Toku. Yeah, it all it, it all counts. But strangely enough, there's not as much overlap as you would think. Not as much overlap between anime and Tokusatsu either, even though they use basically the same tropes. Yeah, well, more more so earlier than today. Probably <laughs> these, these days, like Gridman was an anomaly. Yeah, used to be used to be you had 
well, the mecha so shows were super robots fighting giant monsters. These days, uh, well, pretty much ever since the 80s and stuff, mecha has been giant robots fighting other giant robots. So <laughs> you can thank Gundam for that. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole that's a whole well, other we, live stream. <laughs> we, that spans multiple timelines. Yeah. The live stream spans multiple timelines. Depends on how diff- how many different live streams you do. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Once again, thanks for coming on uh, coming on here, Omni and Snazzy. And the thank you to all of Omni's fans for joining us tonight and hanging out with us, talking about some Ultraman Blazar. And I hope you get uh, you know I can get this downloaded and sent to you properly. I hope you get you know plenty of hits on this when you upload it yourself, and I just save you the trouble of making a video, right? <laughs> well, we still made a video. We just did it live. I know. It's, yeah, just like you don't have to sit down and do like your unscripted, your omni unscripted <laughs> episodes or whatever. <laughs> you know? Well, I stand for those. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, you, you, that this you do, and you have a completely different background. You know, one of these days I, I need to, and you need to do a live stream where you know with all the toys and stuff in the background. That would be fun. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and thank you for coming, Snazzy. It was great having you on too. Not as much I color commentary as I was expecting, though. Yeah, I slept through some episodes. Oh well, I, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. And the although Snazzy, what was your who was your favorite monster on Blazar? Because I know you got opinions about monsters. Oh boy, favorite, huh? Well, I did like Nichi Kagachi, nice and colorful. I can appreciate a colorful reptilian creature. <laughs> um, oh, but you know, even though it's not a new one, Demaga. Demaga's Demaga. story really moved me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just thought I would ask, you know. Before mm. before we sign off, but uh, and Shoma says fandom sucks. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> we deal with it every day. Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we deal with it every day. And he says thank you for uh, for the good stream. By the way, you're welcome, Ed Shoma. It's uh, been great seeing you drop by in some streams. I know you've been listening to the Film Vault now, actually, which has you know been making me happy. You left me some comments that you know I'll, I'll share in a future episode and. Things like that. I think it was because I I did a, an episode on Zillafoot, and he he contributed to Zillafoot. Oh dear, that thing! Uh, I have two friends who are in it, and I brought them onto the show to talk about being in it. Because hey, they've both been in one more kaiju movie than me. Hmm. <laughs> it's Zillafoot, but. <laughs> Uh, and it, uh, I've heard, I've listened to every other podcast episode as far as I can find on uh, uh, on Apple Podcasts on that movie. I have the definitive episode. <laughs> <laughs> I can take that to my grave. That is Bracky Rights for Life. I have the definitive podcast episode on. Solo what it'll say on your tombstone, Nathan Marchand. He has the definitive to podcast episode on Zillafoot. <laughs> Uh, yes, Ed Shoma, I know you were in Zillafoot. I brought that up. <laughs> oh, 
Uh, anyway, I'm going to stop with my Midwestern goodbye and actually <laughs> properly end the stream. Again, thank you to everybody for joining us yeah, tonight. And go watch yourself some Blazer. You got this. Indeed. <laughs>